We are taking a short break from our normal program to bring you a special look at the book of James. This is a separate podcast that our youth director, Ann Dillon, wrote and produced alongside Tara and myself. We'll be looking at each chapter of the book of James, and we'll be putting out two episodes a week. This was originally recorded for our youth, but we figured there's something in it for everyone. We hope you enjoy it, and if you don't, we'll be back with our normal program on August 16th. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our third episode of our youth podcast series, Hearing and Doing, Discovering the Action of Faith. My name is Angela Laughlin. And I'm Tara Bulger. And we are looking forward to diving into chapter three of the book of James today. But before we get started, I will open us in prayer. Dear Lord, please bless our conversation to encourage all listeners that in your family and kingdom, we are always included. Guide our hearts to be filled with comfort that your light will bring us hope on the darkest of days. Amen. Amen. So today's um, chapter, it talks a lot about favoritism and how our faith in these moments of um, feeling um, excluded or feeling included, um, how they affect our actions and our deeds towards others um, and our relationship with the Lord with ourselves. So um, today we're going to be reading from James chapter two. Um, and Tara, would you read our scripture passage today? Yes. Yeah, so we're going to read some selected passages from the second chapter, verses two and four, eight and eight to 10, and then 14 to 17. For a, a person with gold rings and in fine clothes comes into your assembly. And if a poor person in dirty clothes also comes in, and if you take notice of the one wearing fine clothes and say, have a seat here, please, while to the one who is poor, you say, stand here or sit at my feet. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? You do well if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and eat your fill, and yet do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God. So this is an interesting and important scripture for discussion. Um, You know, it's very related to what we discussed in chapter one about inclusion and exclusion and how we value certain people for certain things. But um, just what are your initial thoughts about about this scripture? And it's it's a complicated one. Yes. So I think two things. One is that one of the biggest concerns for James that he saw in the early church is that people who had wealth and goods did not share them. Mm. And so it was a justice issue. How can you say that you are believers in Jesus Christ who cared so much for the poor when you don't? 
And I think on one level, that's an interesting question for all of us because we are a people who have so much. Um, I don't care if you're a teenager or a senior citizen, our whole culture is one in which we tend to be the privileged people. Um, the other thing that I think is interesting is to just widen that and not make it necessarily about goods, but how do we treat people who challenge us? I mean, that's just the bottom line, right? I tend to gravitate toward people who are like me, who are easy and I enjoy them. Um, and when it comes to people that I find are a little bit difficult, um, I am often not as loving as I maybe should be. So I think that is really interesting to ask if you are a person of faith, you believe we are created in the image of God. How do we see that when there are people that you are challenged by? Do you treat them as being created in the image of God? Not always. What are your thoughts about this passage? You know, I think the same thing. And, and I was so intrigued by this chapter on a wavelength of thinking about youth and young people and social circles, but also just our culture in general. And, and especially so many of the things that we've been discussing, you know, in our nation and in our world, how do we, how do we navigate our life as Christians when there's so many um, just different interpretations of what that means in the inclusion of others, those that believe similar things that we do or those that do not, or those that look the same way that we do or those that don't, or those that have the things that we do and those that don't. So I think that that's just such a core and integral conversation that is so rarely had. And then I think that that is something that is important for young people to just, just become aware of and to start um, immersing themselves in and learning about because, you know, it's, they're starting to learn about how the world is rather than what they thought that it was and how you grow up in, in a thinking a certain belief system. And now people are starting to come into their own and have so much access to so much information. And how do you, how do you go through that in, um, in our own culture and in our own belief system? So I think that's really interesting, but you know, how do you think that we experience or show favoritism? Oh my gosh. In the world. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to say this for me. I find that in, in the faith communities I've been a part of, they are full of lovely, lovely people. Yes. And no one wants to hurt anyone. Mm -hmm. So what we do is when there is someone who challenges us, we don't, we aren't mean, but what we tend to do is just act like they're invisible. Uh, don't acknowledge them. Do you know what I mean? Um, I do this when it's someone who challenges me physically, like someone on the street who might scare me. I just kind of act like they aren't there. But I also do it with people in social circles who challenge me. Um, you know, I, in the past couple of weeks, have been in a situation where I was with someone who did not believe women should be ordained. And, yeah. you know, I wasn't openly loving, yeah. but I wasn't mean. But what I did is I just rendered that person invisible. It would not have hurt me to have been loving, even if he didn't respect me. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But my goodness, how but hard instead, is that I'm like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't see you. I don't interact. And, and so I think, mm -hmm. I think like kind of the nice Christians way is when we are challenged, we just, we just render them invisible in a way. We cancel them. 
Yes. They're canceled. Yeah. Exactly. And it's so funny because one of the things I noticed too is that let's like cancel culture. Like if we cancel someone and we say that is a bad person, actually, I don't know that there are bad people. There are broken people and we are still called to love them. Jesus said to even love our enemies. So as a Christian, I don't think there's anyone we, we are, we are really allowed to cancel. No, We're called absolutely. to love them all. I know. And it's, it's, a it's a mind blowing concept. And just the fact that, you know, you're faced with a situation you were just talking about or something where, you know, as women, we feel excluded or the, there are people who claim the name of Jesus, but exclude people for race or ethnicity or, you know, their specific denomination or anything in that, in that capacity. Or do things in the name of Jesus that don't look anything like the Jesus I know. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly. Hard. It yeah. is hard. It is so hard. And so I think that that's something just that we're all faced with, no matter your age or um, your status, it's, we're all faced with wondering, you know, who, how do we handle these kind of people and how do we handle these circumstances and how do we love people who claim something where the actions, the actions of faith do not follow um, or in our capacity of knowledge and understanding do not align with what, with the ways that we are, feel called to follow and, and to act, um, you know, and specifically with young people and, and people growing up and in school and teenagers, how do you feel like it's, uh, favoritism is shown in that way. And, and going back to our conversation about exclusion and inclusion, um, how do you see that kind of as a breakdown? Yeah. So I was a teenager 500 years ago. <laughs> I don't know how much it's changed, right? But we excluded people based on what they wore. Mm-hmm. We excluded people based on things they would say. We excluded people who didn't have the same interest. I mean, I think there were as many reasons to exclude people as there were people. And also for me as a teenager, I let other people way too many times tell me who to value and who not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I regret that. I really do. Um, but yeah, I mean, I see that all the time, all the time. Me too. What about you? You're you're closer than I am, so <laughs> maybe closer, but still a little yeah. bit removed. But I think that I think that those same. It's just so interesting in talking about the context of this chapter and the writing of it and how it's about wealth and and all of those things. I think that that just still is so true in so many ways, and and the way that you're perceived by clothes or money or popularity that will always be true. And I think that always has been true. And people, as we talked about before, you want to feel like an insider. You want to feel like the one who knows what's up. You want to know, you want to be the one that that other people want to be. And I think that that's something that you're always striving for. It's like, they just keep moving the line. Like the second you feel like you've achieved that, it moves 10 yards farther and hundred yards farther. So it's just, it's a constant battle in that way of, And and the people and the actions that we value are often the ones that are are the opposite of what we know to be the truth of how we're called to act. And it's just such an interesting duality in that, that that we value exclusion because it makes it seem 
more interesting and more uh, less attainable. So it's something that you want more because, you know, the less people that have something, the more, you know, more. It is somehow we feel that excluding others builds us up. (laughs) I think that's a fallacy, right? And it may do that in the short term, but the truth is that, you know, we should be able to find our own value in who we are. If you want to feel good about yourself, I do think you should do good things. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk all the time about self-esteem. Do you know how to have the best self-esteem? Doing esteemable acts. Mm -hmm. Do things that you feel good about and you will feel good about yourself. Uh, Self-esteem isn't something I can gift you. Um, It is something that we find our own way to. Now, do I think it's important not to denigrate people? Absolutely. (laughs) But I do think that in some way, the purpose of every person, whether you are a teenager or you are a senior citizen, is to ask yourself in this day, what are the choices I will make that will honor God and honor others? And that's actually how we get our real value. Absolutely. And, you know, there's thousands of movies made about these concepts. There's thousands of, of teenage movies and songs and everything. And you see so many times that often the people who are the most, you know, exclusive are the ones that are the most insecure. Oh gosh, yes. And, and yet the reasons that those you know, themes in media are so relatable is because we all can relate to feeling wanting something and then getting it or seeing someone else get it and realizing that it's the opposite of what we ever wanted. And so, and, and when that, when that reality and that insecurity is exposed, it can be so jarring for us because the one thing we've put our worth in has completely changed in front of our eyes. So I think totally. that it's just so, yeah. And I think it's just so interesting. Like what you were saying about self-esteem is that it can only really be found in one place. It can't be found mm-hmm. in, in the ways that we treat other people every single moment, every single day, because we're always going to have regrets about that. Like you were saying, yeah. you know, you we're always gonna wish we had done something differently. And the only way we can ever be truly confident and self-assured in our own identity is when we realize that it's one put in Christ and it's one put in, in him and, um, the way that we, that we treat other people, um, will all, if, if our actions are based in that faith, then that's only, that's the only really way we can feel good about our actions is if they please him and, and are not just pleasing the world. So I think that's really interesting. And I think it's, you know, it is my ardent hope that, out of people's lives that are so complicated and can be so difficult. And even when they're wonderful, that the church community is always one place where they can slide into a pew and know that they are accepted and loved just the way they are. I mean, that's, I will fight tooth and nail for us to be that community over and over again, but that the church should always be a place where you come in and you sit down and you're just like, okay, I'm okay. I'm okay in this place and I'm loved here. And I hope, you know, the, the goal is more of that in the world. Absolutely. <laughs> more of well, that yeah. in the world, please. <laughs> well, I think that, you know, you particularly and in our church, I just feel really blessed because I know that that, that feeling and that purpose is just 
at the forefront of everything that happens. And then I pray that in the world that that can be a goal for all Christian communities is mm-hmm. that it's a place where you are included just by being yourself and you are, you are included there. If you feel excluded everywhere else, that is one place where you're always welcome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I know. I hope it can um, continue to live out that purpose in the world um, as we continue to put our faith into action. But thank you so much, Tara, for joining me this week. Thank Thank you you again. And um, thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week to discuss chapter three of James with Pastor Brett Gudeman, but thank That's you so much for joining us. <laughs> no, you have set us into motion and we are so grateful. Um, but I hope that no matter your background, circumstance, or phase of life, that you've been encouraged by what you've heard and will use this week to find new ways to put your faith into action. Amen.